Okay, we're back. Yeah, hey, last your last no, word I'm was back uh, in the saddle again. <laughs> so we um, lost. Uh, apparently, uh, this program likes about uh, 120 minutes, which is what we did, which is two hours. Um, but you know, I think the long form actually requires a little something more. So we're back for a little bit of an extra thing here on the Garland Papa Show, mm-hmm. and. Uh, People, people might be wondering about what garland pepper is. I just want to tell you a little bit about garland pepper. First off, garland pepper is a newly unemployed individual who is going to try to build this fucking network up to 10,000 people. Isn't that right, Johan Peters? That is correct, Garland. 10,000 people are going to have to look at this thing before I think we can even start to talk about something really happening. And uh, that's a long shot to go, and i got to do this while, while you know, in poverty. So... We're going to have to remedy that. And that's going to have to happen. Uh, we were talking about the Marines when we left off. Uh, yeah, so I. I was talking about leaving the Marines, actually. So it's I a left. weird space, isn't it? Hey, yeah, what are you it was, doing? It was integrating. I finally got a, my big ride after I went from Cheech wow. Marin's cousin and Stephanie Powers' stepsister. Oh, and I got picked up by Jody Foster's uh, stepdad. <laughs> all the associations. Yeah, I mean, if weird. I live in LA, I'm just going to pick somebody and be like, I'll pick up this guy and tell him I'm this person. No, no, no. It would, I mean, why would they? Why would they do like something so random? You know, because because it's, it's something you can get away with in LA. I think. I don't think so. I mean, because they weren't trying to be anybody. They were just like my ride. Um. So anyway, I I ended up getting a my last ride was from a like a Hungarian truck driver. Oh yeah, and and he said that he had the the first Corvette in Hungary, um, and he said when the dealer unloaded it off the ship, he said, "How come the doors, you know, like the lines on the doors, like the seam, um, is a little wider on one end, and a little like less on the other end?" And he goes, "It's American, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, because they're used like Porsches and and stuff like that that are all just like." precision like you could put like a uh you know calipers and it'd be the same distance when you shut the door at the at the top of the seam between the rear fender and the top of the door mm-hmm. and the bottom it'd be like you know an eighth of an inch or a 32nd of an inch all the way consistently mm-hmm. and they were just mm-hmm. like no and he goes he goes yeah i just i have the core i have the first corvette in hungary <laughs> you know so nice. anyway, we ended up we ended up delivering a supercomputer, and he hired me to help him deliver a supercomputer to the, the Salem State Capitol and the Sacramento Sacramento State Capitol. Yeah. And uh, we unloaded computers, and he wanted me to go all the way up to Seattle, but I wanted to catch a uh, like a David Lee Roth show, I think, in. Mm. Um, in Portland, so I, I said, I, dude, I got to get off, you know, because I'm looking forward to seeing this show. And anyway, so I ended up um, getting back into Portland and visiting my friend Terry Williams, who had this company called the, the Williams Agency. And hmm. he was starting to do, he was like in bi- bank finance, but he's looking to open his own creative agency. He said, hey, I got this um, this friend, uh, Carl England, who's uh, investing, uh, that's invested in this full-on studio, and we want to get into video sweetening and commercial stuff besides being a 24-track full-on analog recording studio. I mean, it was like a major. It's where 
New Shoes recorded the song um, Baby I Can't Wait. Uh-huh. Um, so it was at Cascade Recording. It's now called Poolside Records. But at the time, it was called England Design Audio after Carl England, who had started the company. So I injected some money that I, that I had saved. And we were, all of a sudden, I was at the helm of this weird 24-track, awesome recording studio that I didn't really know a great deal about the recording process at that time. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, I what, don't either. I'm learning right now. Yeah, but I mean... It, when it was, it's so much more rudimentary when it was like analog and reel to reel, and you had two inch tape and mm-hmm. quarter inch tape and dats. Yeah. Dats. I were did the, video. I did video at that time. Yeah, they were starting to use like shit. Yeah, half, they, were, they were using. And then like, they went down to half inch, one yeah, inch, sixteen track or sixteen track could be on one inch. 20, 20 minute reels that weighed like seven pounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, those were the days. Yeah, now big it's, ass fucking. Now it's a, yeah. Now it's the size of like a sugar ant. <laughs> like you can get a fucking amazing, um, amazing camera in the form of a red, and you can throw any fucking lens you want on it. It's like where the L one went for years with uh, Canon. But there is know? there is something to be said about like what Quentin Tarantino does and Paul Thomas Anderson. It's film and a few other directors that still. What's that guy you know, Gilligan? Pull out the Kodak. No, he's he's long past. Bob Denver. No, 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 not Bob Denver Gilligan. Uh, Vince Gilligan. Oh, Vince Gilligan. I don't know. I'm not aware of who he is. It, uh, that's Breaking Bad, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. So he's been doing film. Like all of Breaking Bad was done in film. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I never got into Breaking Bad. That was the one thing I was oh. just like, oh, it's methed out. And, you know, just like, oh. It's, 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 it's on the other side of meth. You don't see the meth. You don't see the destruction of it. Yeah. Which is kind of, you know, it's disingenuous. You, you see level. the, you see the, the. Well, you see it the, in the main characters, the de- but you don't dealing. see the societal. You don't see the societal. Ramifications, no, you see the yeah. You see the making and the storing of money. That's what you see. Yeah. Well, and what, whatever see, the case you is, see the recreation of a man. Whatever the case is, it's destructive. Thing. It's destructive. Um, yeah, and I, what is it about us as humans that likes to kind of dabble in that? That's what I was saying. You know, the devil on one shoulder. It's evolutionary psychology. Just a little bit, and you'll feel better. And it's that thing. Um, that you know we were designed human beings were designed to hunt and gather and forage and we were the scrappiest of the scrappy because you know we're the we're allegedly at the top of the food chain unless you totally disarm us and put us out on the serengeti and then we might climb a tree and somehow get out of it but who knows but um but in our our our, at our simplest form before we had like psychopharmaceutical drugs, alcohol, and all that, those were like a biochemical intervention on mm-hmm. evolution. Those things mm-hmm. were, I mean, yeah, you would get like fermented gra- grapes or something like that, and we'd probably eat them, you know, and get a little buzzed off them. But mm-hmm. eventually we figured out how to, you know, create alcohol later you know, um, amphetamines, psychedelic drugs, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, downers, uppers, 
benzos. We've been making heroin. sun tea. Yeah. We've been making sun tea. Talk about uppers. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so what we were doing is we were bypassing the hard way, which to me is the way that I like to get my endorphins, which is through the pump of, you know, exercising or yoga. You don't necessarily get like, you get more of a meditation, med- meditative piece out of like sitting in, bo- in Zen Buddhism and then the movement, but, movement's nice. the movement and yoga, the stretching. It aspect. helps get you there. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you can the, sit easier if you're in good shape. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while. If you're, if your back hurts and you're trying to sit, it, yeah. it, it can be distracting. Oh yeah. Like you can't sit for shit. Or bad knees, bad up. knees or whatever, you know, yeah, I mean, it whatever aches, pains. And then you kind of like, mm-hmm. you kind of try and power through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, we were, you know, we were meant to get our kicks, you know, the old fashioned way, which was by, you know, tracking down food, working out all day in order to get our food. And then we'd go around the campfire and we'd socialize. And then, you know, you'd mate, obviously you'd mate or you'd find like a mate and, you know, there'd be the sexual part. So you're getting all these, these kicks more naturally than say like smoking weed, you know, taking acid, what, you know, whatever, trying to change your, your head space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and alcohol obviously is a huge problem in society. Speed's a huge problem. Heroin's a huge problem. Pharmaceutical drugs like, uh, Xanax and things like that are a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, you know, I love a conversational, like three beer, three nice glasses of Bordeaux of a nice, mm-hmm. like 10 year old Bordeaux. Oh, yeah, accompanied with uh, some good snacks. Yeah, with some goodies, you know, and just like mm-hmm. get that conversational buzz. But I, I find that in uh, my middle life, that getting rip roaring um, hammered is like I I haven't got rip roaring hammered in forever, mm-hmm. um, but I have got you know definitely intoxicated. I get drunk but don't know i'm drunk and the next day i'm like i was drunk dude you're kind of funny when you drink get drunk you get a little bit like you get a little mouthy you get a little cocky you uh what what are some other things you do you just kind of your personnel it's not like total jekyll and hyde but you get a little bit you definitely your headspace changes yeah do you notice that or do they well, I, somebody I, told I, you that? I, others, others do. They okay. notice, you know, it hasn't been defined yet. It's a hard definition, I think. Um, but yeah, there has been some evidence that, and I'm not a mean drunk. I'm not a mean drunk by any means. No, no, you're you're just like yeah. There's definitely uh, sweet, it, talkative, that, social Gary can become slightly cocky. Actually, it's a little more. I become sometimes, uh, like if I'm in Portland, especially, I just become a little more apprehensive. So I'm a little more cocky, a little more like, okay, what's that insecurity coming out, Garland? Probably, yeah. If I don't know my, if anybody doesn't know their space, they're less secure, correct? Uh I mean, yeah, you're pretty comfortable. Yeah, you're pretty comfortable throughout Portland. You're used to that many people on a regular basis. Yeah, me, I, mean, I, I, I'm not used to it. Yeah, and it, it overwhelms me a little bit, and so I get a little more like not aggressive, 
No, but just like kind of watching out for it. And that I think that's it. I'm watching out for it because I need to know you're a little out of your before el- it. You're slightly out of your element and you're yeah, yeah, I don't know how to read the cues in the zone yet. I you know, I, I'm a person who really likes to know the environment I'm in. Well in Salem and, you have your own able to read those cures. In, in Salem I don't really know Salem. I know Silverton. In, well, in, in Salem, Silverton, there's kind of like a little music scene there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the space in Salem is a music scene, and they were in West Salem, and now they're moving to uh, Commercial Street in Salem, and they're, they're teaming up with the comedy club. And so what's beautiful about the space is that they bring in bands that are touring through. So you can get your really, really good bands, you know, you know? Mm-hmm. On a Thursday, or is that, a is that like, like they're that, if they're going to Seattle or Portland, they can stop off on a Wednesday and Thursday and play at the space, mm-hmm. and they can be opened up by a comedian. So, like Elise Tyler, or does she play that scene? She might. I, I think she will. I think she has. I think she's played the space. The space will take. They they want to keep it full. They want to sell food. And beer, mm-hmm. and 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 promote the arts. And so, if you want to play, they're going to give you a space if they've got space. And like Charles Normal, does he was you knew him, right? Charles Charles would play there. Yes. Yeah, before he moved to Norway, With whatever in yeah whatever incarnation he played in. Yeah, he would play there, right? And so then, he played and several then different things. Your guest uh, Jessica Amos um, or Amos Amos. Hot hot sheets is played hot there. Sheet. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the scene then, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's my friend Doug Hoffman and and his friend Summer. I, I don't know how to say her last name. Keatley and Stan Keatley or Knightley. I always said Knightley at first, but then I looked at it and then I realized I'll never know how I how they say it until yeah. I actually see them again and ask them. Yeah. So so basically, yeah. I mean, it's it's nice. There's a scene. So during that time at England Design Audio, henceforth known as EDA, I started running into, you know, my job there was to like be assistant engineer, kind of gopher in some respects. But then my also I was like uh, doing uh, the marketing directing. And that was kind of my first experience in like a business, you know, because my dad was like, no, don't do that. You know, it's like, you know, it's, you know, you're going to, he was always like work for warehouser or something like that. You know, I was like, no, no. Sure. Yeah. I'm oh, not, no, I'm no. Not, that's I'm very not, common. I mean, that's what I'm facing that I'm right not. now. I'm going to have to either make this work or work for warehouse <laughs> yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever's going right now. It, I, I might be able to transfer. I, I, I'm 58. I'm a trainer. I can teach people almost anything. Um, but, uh, your company culture has to be right, or I'm not in. Hmm. Well, maybe that maybe it'll come back. I mean, are you just on like standby, or are you on? Are you officially? They cut my job. Oh, they cut my oh, position. Okay. They they just changed it. I'm sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah, they had to cut some. They're like, where are we going to cut for permanence? Well, we need to cut here, here, and yeah. here. This seems like overfluff. This seems like overfluff. This seems like overfluff. So, I got cut, and you know, it's. I feel like. At some point, it's a curse because we were, we had a plan, and we were you know I was supposed to help Tammy keep her insurance mm-hmm. for. <coughs> She's already put thirty years into a very very difficult job. 
And she wanted out. God bless her. Of course, she should be. 30 years is a long time to do a thing. And she desires it and she needs it because it's overtaken, like her ability to be as amazing well, as she is. Well, I know that unemployment probably doesn't pay as well, but, you know, you just got to like, I, I've mm-hmm. kind of taken this, you know, business and I got the PPP loan. I got the EIDL loan in play. I got unemployment. Um, yeah. I had a little bit of... Um, Family house. No, no, no. Uh, well, I mean, I always, you know, I have a great family, obviously. But, I mean, I was able to get my loan on my commercial building reset for three months, you know. So I do. Oh, you own a commercial yeah, building. So yeah. that's nice. Leverage yeah. is good, yeah. So anyway, um, like I was saying, I, I went in, you know, backtrack a little bit. I, I went into England Design Audio, and I'm going to, like, you know, like, nightclubs and stuff and trying to get people to come in and record. And this was at the advent of um, home recording where they were going from four tracks to 16 track and then DATS, you know, DAT is uh, like, Mm -hmm. I guess it stands for digital audio tape. Digital audio taping. Yeah. uh, I remember those little tapes, little digital audio tapes. They were nicer. You got a cleaner. No, they, they actually, they weren't better they sounded well, that's tinnier they, that's they what sounded they tinnier they, were, they did yeah. sound tinnier i think so but too. i mean it was it was digital you know so yeah yeah like significant yeah, noise reduction. it was like J- like when you would first look at a jpeg file back in the day how clippy yeah, it yeah, was. yeah exactly same thing but with yeah. sound they've gotten better with it but there's still people that do that so anyway um that was where i met like this man called beauty stab Daughter singing yeah. over there behind yeah. us. You hear that? She's got a lovely voice. Too. So, um, I met Beauty Stab, which was comprised of Corey Stafford. That's a horrible. That's a horrible Beauty name. Stab? I think that was kind of a cool name, but it is a cool name, but it's horrible. <laughs> it's also. like a beautiful stab wind. Is there? Is yeah, there such like a she thing? stabbed me with her. And they I weren't really. They weren't really, and they, yeah. and they weren't punk rock or anything. They were like this, like Euro glam, you know, heavily synthesized guitar a makeup. Lot of lot of awkward. Yeah, so John Fell was in it, the guitar player. Ed Giamonte was a keyboard. Go. Courtney Taylor was the drummer. Yeah. Who, who, and nice. then um, who else was? Oh, Adam. Flick was the bass player. This is this is the long. Oh, no, no, game. no. These are all these are all Beaverton boys. Beaverton and Portland oh, boys. Beaverton guys. Mostly Beaverton though. Predominantly Beaverton. And then Nero's Rome was uh-huh. comprised. Oh, here's Tammy. You want to say hi to Tammy? Hi, I'm Tammy. Gonna, I'm gonna put you in her. It's Johan. Hi, Tammy. Just say hi. Hi, Tammy. He's gonna say hi to you. Say kisses. Hi, kisses. All over. Kisses, Mr. Face. This is all over. Uh, um, love that. Um, so anyway, what ended up happening was the other band was Nero's Rome, and they were in the same genre, kind of like a Euro rock, and that consisted of James Angel, Todd Morrissey, Stuart Frischman, and a guy named Steve Christensen, but former to that was Tony Lash. Who had just um, mm. he had just had a tragic incident in which he was um, 
in which he was shot. And he um, was recovering and quit the band, and then Steve Christensen came in. But Tony Lash became, you know, like a, a very famous locally, but could have been, or probably still is considered in some circles a, a world-renowned producer, mixer, and engineer who did who went on to do the Dandy Warhols and, you know, like a who's who of Portland bands. Um Tony What's his Lash. Name? You should know that name. But he played he played uh, with Elliot Smith in Heat Miser. And what did he play in? He's a drummer. Miser. But he also has like perfect pitch. He can play keyboards and sequence. I mean, he's like a, a genius. Um, real stoic kind of German dude, and uh, he plays with. He still plays out a little bit, but he's now changing his career and to be like a psychologist or psychiatrist, one of the two. Um, but anyway, mm. um, he was, a, he was a drummer for Nero's Rome in the very beginning when they were doing all these things and they were switching into doing like full on studio 24 track as was beauty stab. So there was this kind of competition between the two bands and, um, in the midst of this, uh, I the home recording thing really started taking over, and we were really struggling to support three people at the at England Design Audio. And finally, I started ended up doing the books, and I, I started doing projections. I was saying we got to book this many hours in order to make this much money to pay these bills, to have this <laughs> equipment, and with a loan, you know, it's going to be this much to go into the video sweetening world. And it was a real gamble, mm. and because Carl had all the mm-hmm. money in it it was my first like real business deal. And since Carl had all the money in it, Terry was a dreamer. You know, he wanted it to go. This is beauty stab. And you got Carl, and Terry, Terry, Terry and Carl were my business partners in England design audio. The, the, the recording studio where these two bands, Nero's Rome and beauty stab were coming in to, to record. I figured out that there was going to be no way that we could continue to support three people unless we booked a certain number of hours. So I went to the owner, bypassed Terry, and went to the owner and said, dude, you're not going to have any money left by the time this is over. You're going to get, you know, you're going to go out of business. You're going to sell all your gear and you're going to, you know, if we, if we just pack, pack, mothball this place now, you can walk away with a hundred grand and not lose your thing. But I, I just can't see the way it's going right now that we're going to be able to continue on. But I made all these great connections in the Portland music business. And, um, and in turn that, um, that opened a door in music, but you know, as life takes a turn, I went down to Arizona and started my own band in Phoenix called Murr. I started singing and writing for uh, this band, and it was in the time of the Gin Blossoms and Dead Hot Workshop, the Refreshments, and all these local hot Tempe scene uh, jingle jangle bands, um, as well as like the metal scene. We were kind of a combination of both. We had Flotsam and Jetsam, and you know, and um, oh, what was the what was the band? Uh, that did uh, Lake of Fire, the song that Kurt Cobain covered. Um, but anyway, the uh, I went down there and then started doing like 
working in studios down there and started recording. And then I got a record deal with a subsidiary to uh, Warner Brothers through Duff McKagan's personal manager from Guns N' Roses. So we were all set. They bought us all equipment. We had like started doing little mini tours and free recording. And it was, it was awesome. Um, everything paid for, um, it was, it was incredible. But one night <laughs> that diffused the whole thing was the, the, um, truck got broken into and all our gear got stolen and the label got super pissed off at us and they dropped us because they were like okay are you are you milking us or what and we were like no they we really got ripped off and they were like no and because it was like it was like a subsidiary label to warner you didn't have the support of like warner warner would have just said get them a new whatever but they were ba- basically bringing the bands to warner brothers you know, and putting us on the roster. And so that sucked. Oh, they were, they were a pre-marketing kind of pre-marketing thing. A subsidiary label. So you'd have like Interscope would have like a subsidiary to them, which would be like Madonna's label. uh, Maverick records was a subsidiary. Like they're out there on the hunt. They're like, they're like baseball sending out scouts into little towns to see who's making music that's might go. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was hot because that was the time. (coughs) That was the time. um, Hope you didn't get to COVID from that. No, I I didn't. Um, Thank God. Um, yeah, the Meat Puppets yeah. was the band I was thinking so, of so, that was in Phoenix. Yeah, oh, so yeah. that that was kind of the contingent. We had the drummer from JFA in our band, Jody Foster's Army, and then we had uh, yeah. Uh, then we uh, that's uh, such an irreverent yeah. song after yeah. all that shit. Oh, and then uh, that we also had he was also the drummer of Junior Achievement. I mean, he was like a, just a major punk rock drummer. It was super fun to play with him, but he could play like Rush or anything. And so, but he was like, mm-hmm. all our drummers in Phoenix were on meth. I mean, like, I I remember like, oh yeah, really? Back yeah. then, like the old cheap meth, like they the were just calling like they were calling like fucking crank, houses and you know? shit. And it, I even did it one time. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll try it. You know, I'll oh, try yeah. it. You know, and then yeah. and then I after, didn't even know yeah, what it was. After, I did it once accidentally. I was like, no, that's too. And much. then after I that, like I was that. like, I was like. No, I mean, that's been kind of my experience with any drug, like mushrooms or whatever. But it was like when I, when I stayed up for like two days straight and was completely worn out, I was like, yeah, meth, meth. Yeah, that recovery is never worth meth, it. Meth and the serotonin drop was was not my friend, you know. I'm always like so afraid to go over the edge because yeah. I'll, I'll go into a depression if I drink too much, you know. And I know that I know that I know the reason why yeah. I'm blue. yeah. And I, I intellectually know it, but I just don't like I just I just don't like feeling that way. So I try and you know my typically bluest month was the month we started mm-hmm. Whole Thirty, and I didn't drink that month. I didn't. I, as a matter of fact, I didn't really drink for a couple months, but here and there, like at the end of Whole Thirty, yeah, I went out and I got yeah. fucking blitzed. And then the uh... yeah, and then. Then I kind of didn't drink for a while. And then <clears throat> when the stay-at-home thing started happening, it felt like the way to separate the day from the evening. Oh, yeah. 
I don't, think, I, mean? I don't think I ever Have really. A cocktail. I kinda, it's I evening miss, now. Like having a margarita on Cinco de Mayo. I miss margaritas big time. Mm. I do. I have a bottle of. And and you don't make them. You go to a place. I have a bottle of Don Julio 1942 that I'm going to crack open after I do my documentary on Nero's Rome. It's just been sitting here. Yeah, that's that's sipping. I know it's too nice for a margarita. It's yeah, it's too nice for a margarita. I mean, you gotta don't get me wrong. You gotta have a nice nice tequila for margarita. I like the Casadores for anything. I can sip a Casadores. Is that the blue bottle? But I also like it in margarita. No, it's the one with the uh, with the Casadores or Respada with the with the with the with the elk. That's the The one with the oak on it. It looks (laughs) no, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, if you look at the label on the Jägermeister, it really is basically it. Uh, uh, like I don't know if they call it a yeah. metaphor or a simile, yeah. or it's it's what they call. It. Anyway, it, if you look at it, it's a circle with a deer on it, and then a cross. So I think what it's really telling you: if you do enough of this, you will be saying, "Oh dear God," later mm-hmm. on in the evening. Well, anyway, Jägermeister. Well, mentions. anyway, um, yeah. So you know, in the band. Even before that, I guess my, my the other drug that I that I went down the road was well in college I was like prescribed like Ritalin and Dexedrine, which ultimately killed Elvis, that which was a great pharmaceutical like stay up, focus, study. Well, yeah, you know yeah. It was, it was like original, when they started uh, diagnosing. So Ritalin ADD. and Dexedrine are the precursors to what's Adderall. that one that's big now? Yeah, I took Adderall. some of that actually at the new I took yeah. some of that at New Year's for the, I took some ecstasy and Adderall on New Year's this year. Uh were you in production we were mode? In production mode to get that party set up the Dandy Warhol studio for the New Year's uh gig. With uh, Mother uh-huh. Mariposa, yeah, friggin' awesome, Jason yeah. Adams, shout I out. I wish we could have made it. Then. Oh, you didn't go. And and if we had, no, we didn't make that one. We had just been like, we're spent up. You know, we spent a lot just going to the. That other was shows. an amazing party, and we stayed. And we that stayed was an the night. Party, and it was like I a know, real like mix of it. people. You know, from like artists yeah. to like really old people to really like young people. Uh-huh. It was kind of a weird mix all night. What I love about the dandies is they do have a weird mix. Like the people who like the dandies are not like in yeah. a box. Like you do. You have really, really old people. You have really, really young people and everything yeah. in between. You have Portland hipsters as well as like Portland hippies. You got as as well as Portland business people. It's a very diverse crowd. When they play in yeah. Portland, it's like, oh, so, I see. These people have all yeah. moved on there in their lives, but they yeah. still love this. Well, music. it was funny because when I was in Phoenix playing in Murr, which was kind of based more on what Nero's Rome was doing, the other band that I recorded when Courtney was, you know, I think Tammy and I saw Nero's Rome. Fucking in, amazing, um, yeah. Son- and, uh, Sonoma, not Sonoma. Uh, Napa. Yeah, they're amazing. Oh, there's a police are coming by. Whoop, whoop. Um, going after something, something so up Anyway, the that van. They're going so way Courtney fast. ended up joining Nero's Rome as the drummer. They mm-hmm. fired um, mm-hmm. Steve Christensen. And then Courtney came on board. So now you have like four guys that can write in, the, in Nero's Rome now. I mean, Steve could write. He was in a band called mm-hmm. Slack. And he added like a flavor. He did the second, the Doctor album, which was amazing. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. a precursor to Togetherly, which was the the third album. 
after they had completely left mm-hmm. glam rock and switched to grunge. And um, anyway, so this the, Courtney's on board. Everything's going good. Um, and then Courtney's real social, I guess. And, and he ended up, um, what did he do? They ended up like getting some record contracts that were kind of falling through. And Courtney wanted to take this contract for a quarter million dollars. He said, if we just take this, he was always a business guy. And everybody else in the band said, no, no, no. Uh-huh. And he goes, you guys are stupid. You know, if you don't, so you know, it was Jane's addictions label, <laughs> um, triple, triple oh, X, same label. And, and he was like, mm-hmm. you guys are stupid. If you don't take, you know, if you don't take this deal, we got, we, you know, we're right here. They go, no, we're a million dollar band, you know, <laughs> like young guys do, you know, they're like, no, we're that good. We're a million dollar band. Yeah. They were selling out shows in Portland. They were yeah. like when they were Euro rock, they were like comparing them to like in excess and U2 and stuff like that. And, um, Oh, the European press. Yeah, the European press just they were enamored with with the dandy yeah. ones. Like they're huge yeah. over there. Like they went over there and had never seen anything quite like what they were seeing in the United yeah. States. And um anyway, so the um so what ended up happening was um Nero's um was was just kind of like um you know, like Courtney, you know, he had two dominant personalities. Like Courtney was definitely, he wasn't, yeah, it's tough, he right? wasn't, um, a singer at that point. He was a drummer, but he could write music cause he played trumpet, I think in high school. And he had like, he could read, he could sight read music. And so he, he knew the oh, whole, nice. you know, he knew how to write a song and he also, you know, could play guitar. He was a multi-instrumentalist for sure. So anyway, he ended up, uh, he ended up, uh, some, somehow, um, I think it was, um, Stuart was in a band called new history with Courtney and they were like brothers and they kind of, you know, there's different versions of the story, but they basically just got Steve Hanford came on board and is playing these ripping like punk rock type drums which Courtney is a more finessed, but he can play, he can play any style, but that wasn't, he was, he plays with a song for sure. And Steve comes in, he's just like, Steve yeah, Hanford, poison, is that Eric's idea. Um, and that's the legendary, oh. like punk rock band in Portland. And Steve was just this kind of, he was almost like the lead drummer is what you'd call him. You know, like a guy that's just so incredible with the band around him. You're like, look at that drummer. That was that was a fast, but still in the whole vibe. And I guess Courtney went to a barbecue or something like that. And Steve stepped in and they did band practice with Steve filling in because he was just like hanging around because, you know, Nero's was everybody was like, you know, trying to get their shot at being in that band in some capacity or working with them in some capacity, including myself. I was trying to like manage them at that time. Or not before that, mm-hmm. when they were Euro Glam band, that was going to be my next move after I quit the after we shut down the studio. But, so you're way into glam, I was, I was into glam like rock. it was a cross. You know, glam is really just Euro Euro rock is really just a cross between you know like conventional metal and then with the Simple Minds kind of U two 
Thompson Twins, Electronica, Thomas Dolby. Yeah, a little fluff. Yeah, a little light keyboard. Keyboard. It was keyboard-y. emerging, wasn't it? There was it keyboards. really was emerging. You know, that always like could do that. Yeah. So anyway, Courtney left the band, but six months later, you know, he'd made all those contacts, and six months later, I was gone to Phoenix, and I came back up on spring break or something from college. It was like Courtney Taylor singing in this band called the Dandy Warhol. So I went to the Pine Street Theater slash La Luna, saw Courtney friggin' sing. I had no idea he could even sing. And he was just just slaying and it was sold out. And, you know, I was like, wow. And I just kind of went back and into my own world and got my degree on the, the, the GI Bill. And, um, Mm-hmm. and stayed down in Phoenix for, I don't know, six years, and the dandies elevated and everything, and then um, circle back, come back, start a family, have three three awesome kids, and uh, got divorced. And then I had my company, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm go see my, my friends again, and I contacted James Angel, the singer of Nero's Rome, and he was kind of down on his luck. I mean, he kind of went down a road that, and this is the thing between Courtney and him, him both have a similar personality. Courtney is a businessman, is a cool, is the coolest guy in the room most of the time. And then um, he's also a great musician. Um, James is a little different. He's not a good businessman, but he's a virtuoso on piano and an amazing singer and had amazing stage presence and is an incredibly, uh, all, like Courtney, you know, also an amazing looking human being. It looks the part, you know, he's like the Mick Jagger, the iconic, you know, look that you want in a singer. So both of them had all those elements, but they just had different strong suits. <clears throat> so Courtney, um, Courtney started the dandies, you know, he's fronting his own band. Now he's not drumming anymore. He's basically writing all the parts for the dandies at that part, at that point. And like you two did, they were all kind of learning how to play at that time together. Uh, Brent wasn't in the band, but you know, everybody was like, uh, Courtney was the most accomplished of all of them. And then um, the rest of uh, also Hedford was a, a really good drummer too, uh, but Zio was learning at that time, and and Pete was you know uh, learning to play guitar as time went on. Of course, they're all just getting better and better and better. You know, as the more shows you play, they just got better and better and better. So um, anyway, they. Um, essentially started this band then they got on tim care or tim kerr records through thor um and then they were they were they were signed and then they by the time then they'd gone through capital and everything about in like 2010 i got in contact with um james angel and he needed somebody to to help him put together his record and manage him he was a singer for Nero's Rome that had gone solo as James Angel. And so I was like, well. So you decided to manage James Angel yeah, after yeah, the divorce? Like, well, I mean, I was just like, I just need something to do to kind of take the 
focus, you know, in, in that dead time when you're a divorced parent, you're, you know, ra- raising the kids, getting them for a short amount of time. They're going back to mom. And then you have all this quiet time. I was like, I just need something to do. So I got back and I got, I got back into the music. So... I've always been writing music myself. And that's, that'll always be a part of me sitting on my couch with my acoustic guitar, making up funny, serious, dark songs. But with James Angel, you're talking about somebody that played with like, you know, Tony Lash from Elliot Smith and Heat Miser, uh, Daniel Riddle from King Black Acid, uh, John Taylor from Duran Duran, Sean Titchener, you know, um, and and then also Kevin Kozad, who was in Nero's Rome in the early Euro rock. He was a keyboard player and backup singer. So I was like, I was like, okay, um, let's do this. So we put, he'd already put out private player. They had produced a DVD with John Taylor from Duran Duran. And James was just, you know, he's just, he's just a, he's, he's dark, twisted, messed up, beautiful, smart. If you want to talk, if you want to just sit down and talk about like Roman history, He's a guy that, you know, you could just like sit there. He's like such an intel. He should have been a, a history professor. And, you know, I was just, I was just like, yeah, my old friend James, you know, let's just get it going. But, you know, there, there's some, you know, when you're an artist, he's a different artist than Courtney being that he's willing to go. He's almost like, this is the way I would put it. He's like the Jim Morrison of Portland, Oregon. Except he survived past 29. You know? Yeah. Yeah. These are, he's, he's like, pure, he's like a pure, it's hard vessel. to watch him. It's hard to, tr- it's he's hard like, to, it's hard he, to watch him try to merge. With, yeah. He's with a pure vessel, society. but man, you know, you yeah, see him giving like up their best can derail and you. And, and then it's the just other so things hard. in rock and roll that can derail you has, you know, he, mm-hmm. he has been derailed a few times by that. So, you know, we, I got him, you know, we put together a band of really great players and we got him functional again. We got the record released. I just talked to James today. He's, and I'm helping him get his next project set up because it's almost to me, it's more fun Mm -hmm. to watch the, I like my own stuff. I write with you, you like to see it. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that I have limited talent. Some people told me I'm very talented. Some people, you know, I obviously suck to some people. I mean, cause music is so subjective, but, um, but you know, yeah. it's like there's talents out there in the world that there's no decision. You're like, this person is talented. And those are the people that I enjoy like working with, you know, like, when Courtney needs something done, like, oh, come down and help me do this audio thing, you know, in my wine bar or whatever, or come help me do this, mm-hmm. help me set up this party or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's just like fun recreation stuff. With James, it was a little more like more on the, the you know, managing and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, you're, you're, yeah. you're with Courtney, it's always just like doing a friend assault, you know doing a friend of solid like 
Yeah, you're you just guy yeah, yeah, find you out know, like yeah, let's put together let's, that's what let's, I've seen. Let's do a, a film in my screening room with right. the guy from the strokes or something or you know, the guitar player from the strokes or whatever, you know. Right, right. Yeah, just there yeah we just have, we just yeah, we just have fun. I mean it's fun. We just do fun things, you know. Or whatever. He's a he's a good dude. He's always been he's a very loyal friend. You're one of us you're one of his longer yeah, you're one of his yeah, longer definitely. Friends. Yeah, I predate I, mean, I predate I mean, I mean, it sounds like you predate in the some, band. Yeah, in some ways. It was a short relationship when we were friends, but I mean, you know, but I, I saw him. Yeah. I saw him. Well, you come back around point, at some point. Hey, I mean, he and Brent are, are cousins, so they've known each other longer than I have, obviously, but I, I predate sure. Pete, I think, maybe. But um, so. Yeah. Pro- well, I mean, if you were in a band before the Dandies, unless he was simultaneously, yeah, I mean, the they might have been around. Be possibly sure. true, unless Pete and Pete Pete yeah. might have known him before, and you know, he might have known to you before. Yeah, I don't it, know what that history is, but yeah, I guess yeah. we'll find out eventually, um, won't we? But anyway, so you know, so like actually going through the whole process of putting together an album and getting it out there, James Angel would be actually an interesting interview if you. You you got well. Yeah. Why don't you talk to him? And yeah, break the ice and tell him what I got. Show him yeah, what I, I mean, got going on. Share game. it with him. So here's here's how you share this stuff. I would like you to share it on yeah. whatever social media you have. But I want you to I want you to be mindful of the people you think might be interested in hearing this, and I want you to share it with them. Now this is two parts, so I'm sharing them both raw. I hope you know that. Oh yeah. I think I told yeah, you I that mean, up front. I told you that up front. No secrets. No edits. Yeah, I, I don't have like, time for edits. edits no, we're just, yeah. Well, you can keep your secrets to yourself. Yeah. And I told you that at the beginning. Yeah. And I tell everybody that. If you don't want it yeah, out there, exactly. don't fucking say it. But um, so any, anyway, the, yeah. So yeah, continue. I mean, Courtney respects James' talent. James respects Courtney's talent. And it's, it's interesting. I've been working on this Nero's Rome film documentary since 2000. 10 i finally completed every interview except for james and todd morrissey and a couple other people i just wanted to interview because i kind of try and pick the funny moments and the serious moments and you know uh-huh. try and get as so you're looking, looking for, for stories, stories. It's yeah really, you know it's but really challenging. i mean I, you know it's like you you need to ch- in order the interviews actually end up revealing the story and the more interviews you do, the more you can thematically right, right. create a narrative for the film. I have an idea, but you never. But the narrative also goes into like evolutionary psychology thing about the whole. Yeah. Well, your process involves yeah, a lot of yeah. picking, right? Because you got to take a whole lot of stuff and not narrow it down to like, okay, this says exactly. And so you know the the narrative in this particular doc documentary is about, you know, it's about a, a band that was around from 1987 to about 1997, a 10 year run of a significant Portland band in some people's minds, one of the better bands, the band that should have made it, the ones, the guys that were geniuses. So, when when I've got a lot of money, right, and I'm betting on music, I know one thing to watch. So, and and you know, and this is this is why Hole did one album and couldn't get a album for a while. You got to watch for fucking <laughs> yeah. stability. 
I, I, I haven't had the best you know, luck with, and, with this particular project, but some of the guys are very stable. Well, like Todd Morrissey is very stable and normal. Not normal. I mean, he's a, he's a weirdo. It's, it's hard because re- real passion and, and, and stability are not courting partners. But those are, those are the people you need for the foundation to write with because James does bounce ideas off. He's not like just an independent genius by himself. You know, he, he can't play guitar, for instance. So he, so, so he's, had to, he's, he's had his knocks and his, and his bumps, and his music's only probably gotten better. Well, you know, he lived on the street, which is something that is an experience that not many people have, like living literally like a street person. But being, the, being like what you would call the elegant junkie, you know, like, or whatever, where you live on the street... Functional junkie. No, if, if you're on the street, you're usually dysfunctional. You're, you're, no, you're not functional. He's on the yeah, street. So he was on he's the creating street. all these the experiences. And then now he's kind of back in the mode where I'm putting my album back together. You know, like he said. he Is he clean? Is he cleaned up? Or is he just like medicating like with methadone or, you know, is he taking yeah. care of the symptoms? What's going on? I I know, but I you don't, don't know. I you know just it's, that's that's you know a private deal between him and him, you know him and himself and me, you know, and I would never like. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at some point when when you get to this addiction, you can actually get back off of. He's it in a good space right now. Coming to, off of it, you know, with you know some help, you know, he's he's in a good space to like launch and start working on this new record. I've known people doing, I've known people, I've known people who've been into opiates who, who've really had Kratom. good luck with Kratom. Kratom. Apparently yeah. you gotta take a lot of it though. I've never, I, I tried it once. I didn't see any, I didn't take that many. Yeah, take, take a poop like, on yeah, that. And, you know, after you, it. after you do it for about a week and take a little a poop and you'll know what uh, a woman's mm. childbirth is like. It's very. It, it just. Con, it just. Oh, it just rocks you, like, you out. Like I imagine opiates would. Oh, I tried just it like, just for just like, like opiates yeah. management. Like when a, my knee was going bad, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah better it's a than better choice. You know, I it took think me a week best, to figure out. I that think it's, the best it's choice not, is probably a good awesome. indi- a real a really good indica edible. And if you're really Wait, like hurting, I said, everything a really good indica edible with. Everything hits smoke. me so damn hard, you know. Like I can feel, I like I am a, I am like a pincushion of reaction when it comes to to drugs or alcohol. Like my my preferred thing would just be like three glasses of Bordeaux, three glasses of beer, um, something like that. But you know, but I think I think ultimately <laughs> what the what the story there is is you know the missteps that you make in a band as Nero's Realm did letting Courtney go and and choosing Hanford just because of whatever circumstance that was um or oh, Hanford, you said Hanford. Hanford I thought he Hanford might have been related was to Eric. The, the Dandy's original drummer yeah the original drummer drummer for the Dandy's yeah oh he's a great dude I like him um, nice guy yeah, he's a just yeah, he really dude. is. And um, you know, and and 
Courtney wouldn't have gotten the dandies had he not gone through that experience. But, you know, you're dealing with, like, really strong personalities. Like, James had a really strong personality, and Stuart had a strong personality, and Courtney had a strong personality. And there was that brother vibe between Courtney and Stuart having been in New History together. Mm -hmm. And Stuart's super, like, Mm -hmm. empathetic and sensitive, and everything Courtney says, you know, would, would bug him and... And, you know, and like a brother, you know, like a, like, like a, like, like a brother that's kind of yeah, like domineering yeah. or something. They didn't, they didn't. No, they vibe. vibed. Yeah. They vibed. You know, Musically, yeah. they definitely vibed together. I mean, there was no doubt about it. But, yeah. um. You can only have one master. Yeah. The and then James kind of the awful businessman he is. He doesn't see like the value. It's like, oh, I'll go for the drummer that seems better to me at this moment, even though Hampered is a different it's he's just a different drummer than courtney man i'll tell you what his drumming is like like john bonham level like hold back i I, you people haven't really heard him drum yeah he's got that timing that open he loves the sound of the drum yeah and sound happen i like that about the way he drums well you've heard courtney drum um yeah, at the star, I heard him drum. Um, years ago, oh, are you ago, talking I like when he does a rototom the... or whatever? Yeah. Oh, right, but he right. Gives space, yeah. But you've never seen him like really on a, on a like bottom esque. Uh, you know, a kick, snare, and tom and floor drum, like a four piece. I think I have. Yeah, I think he's played uh, like he like played with like Bruce Kulick or whoever it was that was in Black and Blue. Um, I think he played. Yeah, he played with a band opening up. Yeah, he probably did. Band. Like he he probably stepped on and did like one song or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah, and he does. He has that bottom opening, and and it gives you that space to get. Yeah, you he's a just good a group machine, and, and then Fathead I mean, kind of has that replication of what Courtney. He's a different drummer than what. Fathead's one of my favorite drummers ever. He's a he's a groove and machine, why. and he can sing. So many drummers are drummers. Yeah, he sets down the bottom like nobody's business. He can sing while doing so, and he always knows where he's at in terms of everything. Oh else. yeah, I mean he's and he's a, and he's a he's just a, a really sweet guy too. Uh, on on. And yeah, he's really sweet. Yeah, but Courtney, like I would say, could be on a. a full-on like john bonham kind of drummer that just has that little bit of hold back and like you said the space that it needs to breathe where where hanford is like the well show, even his chords are that way the and going as you know like a machine gun you know what i mean and 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 it's just like a stoner yeah. drummer versus a, a i mean bonham could do that stuff but I mean, I mean, but I wouldn't say that Bonham yeah. really went into punk rock territory. I mean, yeah, you know, Brent has this way of doing a four on the floor yeah. and a jazz top. Yeah. It's fucking cool. And, you know, there's no, there's not really the use of double bass in any of that stuff. But I mean, Courtney, Courtney could have been like, no, you know, double bass drummer if he wanted or whatever. Um, but there's there's certain drummers, that, yeah. you know, like it's like comparing like Stuart Copeland 
to John Bonham. Oh God! Yeah, different like drumming all together. They're different worlds. There is jazz, that, and, and, uh, and drumming, that's but, that's I mean, the thing. It's like I love Neil Bird, Bird especially when technical. he gets jazzy or he's, he's playing he's, he's, the fucking tune. If he's playing the tune on the on his array of perfectly tuned fucking drums, and he's you know, it's just like and he's super technical though. But that's a different thing. It's a different thing. Oh, he's super technical. I mean, he's playing the fucking notes on the drums all the way up and down while, you know, Giddy's playing them on bass. There's this poster. There's this poster that I saw that was an overhead view of his drum set with like, um, with like the bibliography of his drums, like drum one. This is a rototom. This is a, this is a, a kick drum. This is a, this is a floor tom number one through five yeah. or whatever this is a yeah i mean God, no, it's, just, it's just like the it's drums just like kind of my funny. life it's kind of funny that's funny. because what could he accomplish yeah. just with a normal drum set anyway so i i started with a tom or a, or a tenor drum oh really in marching band yeah and then I did bass uh, once because the bass guy got sick before the parade and I'd never done bass in a parade yeah. in Payson. Yeah. So that was bass. And I also did uh, drumming in another parade with, uh, with, the tom- with the tom. Now the tom sits on your legs and you're only like, the snare's doing a lot of fast stuff and you're coming in in the middles and you're hitting all these other notes. And it's really quite fun. You're waiting for the space. Yeah. You know, and the snare's hitting it all. It's like the lead guitar mm. versus the rhythm. Yeah, it's it's, it's really interesting. Um, drummers are a whole different animal. And then, like, Todd Morrissey from Nero's Room, the guitar player, he was almost like this cross between, like, Andy Summers from The Police and, um, and David Gilmore. So he had this jazzy, cool, uh, modern side, but then he also had the blues and yeah, he we played, played telly, telly, he played strats, he played, he played it all. He worked in Portland music. Yeah. Now he's like the fabric. He's mm-hmm. a um, fabric guy for Nike for the entire NBA. So he he was the the wow. fabric librarian. Like they'd say, like what was on the original Nike waffle shoe what was that material? He yeah, he was a librarian. He was a librarian. Now he's picking material that's going to be modern stuff, you know, that's Wix for the NBA mm-hmm. or feels super great, you know, on the shoes and the jerseys and that's stuff cool. like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they got to hold out. They got to be able to keep the structure yeah. of a very large man. Yeah. You know, and he's NBA shoes, Fuck. but I mean, beyond like that, Kevlar he's still a musician to this day. He still writes music, he's writing a solo record. Wow. So, Todd, I've been like, please, Todd, get this album out. It's kind of like maybe Americana. Music is such a spiritual place for people to be. You know? I mean, it seems like, yeah, you know, play a little music and do a little music and listen to a little music and hang out with people who make music, yeah. your life will be better. And it then, just really will. 
Yeah. You're listening to the Garland Pepper and then show Stuart right now. Stuart Fritchman, the bass player for Nero's Room, owns um, Bella Taza Coffee down in um, in Bend, Oregon. So he's ahead of his. Yeah, he's head of the I've coffee, had coffee there. Of, but he also supplies coffee to, uh, you know, hotels and stuff around there. And he still plays flamenco. In fact, he's yeah. doing a really great thing. If you look up Stuart. Yeah. yeah. I do flamenco ukulele. He, he does um, this adventure tourism with his wife down to Guatemala. And he's got a family of friends that he is, like, helping through this coronavirus thing where the whole Guatemalan tourist industry has gone down. They've been his, you know, um, family effectively, you know, he's brought his kids, his three sons down there to Guatemala, his family, friends and everything. And he's like out there, you know, he shaved his head to raise $2,000, which probably there is probably like, you know, $15,000. $15,000. Yeah. And I just, I actually just sent in a hundred bucks to him to, for his next uh, round of, of money, but it's, it was nice. I've tried to do that since this whole coronavirus thing. Um, there was a, a artist, uh, Rebecca wild, who was, who's a hairdresser, but she also does this beautiful kind of um, artwork with um, Barnwood and she makes these paintings. At, she makes the frame out of barnwood and then makes these simple mountains and crosses and things like that. Um, and so I bought mm-hmm. something from her. So I've tried to like spread around um, people that are, you know, hurting from the, from this. Yeah, you That's know. That's what we got to do. We got to give to yeah, each you gotta other. Buy we got to help out. You know, buy, so before this was all going down, I was talking to my friend who has, you know, pork. He's in the pork industry. I was, I was talking to him about getting like 100, maybe 200 pounds of pork. And then when things got lean, I could stoke up my barbecue and cook up some pork butts and give them out. But now things are getting lean for me, so I can't be that guy. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. I'll see what I can do. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of like, wow. I, I'm freaked a, out, actually, a little bit. Oh, just about actually like a lot. employment status and stuff like that? Yeah, I haven't been unemployed you got a for one years, payment, man. Right? I don't know what the fuck. The state. Yeah, but that's supposed to stay there for when I get older. Yeah. I'm not old enough for that yet. It'll suck up everything if I go at it now. I need to. I need to amend it with um, some social security for sure. You're fifty. So I'll be doing something else. I need a hundred thousand viewers, folks. So share the fuck out of this. Fifty-eight. So you can collect when you're sixty-one or sixty-three. Sixty-two. So you got four years. You could live for it, and Tammy's yeah. got a four hundred one k. So as I got it. Well, yeah, and she's got, you know, she's got 30 years in. She's really disappointed because she was about to retire. And she works really, really hard. So she really should retire. I think she'd be a much happier person um, because her job's her job? really, really hard. I, I remember. <laughs> Excuse me. Her job, she works for SAFE and she handles workers' compensation claims. And she has typically a very heavy load. They, they always seem to be understaffed of mm. qualified people. Is that That's when you under- is that That's when you I go out because she works like really hard the the claims or do you just take care of the claims? 
she's a managed she manages claims where people have critical and situations. they're they're legit they're not like milk in so, the system a lot of long yeah usually by then it's long term they're doing analysis of their home to make sure that they're healthy um if if they're now in a wheelchair they may reset their house for them or may may try to convince them to move to another house and help them get into that they'll keep them in long care treatment you know there is a, there is a you know motivation to get them out of long term treatment, and they will settle out if if they feel like you know the person would just be better with mm-hmm, some money and mm-hmm. can do it on their own. But most you know sometimes it's lifetime treatment, and she's involved with these cases that go on for years, and she's involved with cases mm-hmm. every week that are brand new. Yeah, but she still she still has yeah, her job. It's though, a right? very tough job. Yes, she does, and and she was. Yeah, she's just yeah. a little disappointed, which is completely understandable. I mean, she was hoping that I would continue to work for the next 10 years while she could have insurance and retire. Mm-hmm. She's got 30 years in. It's completely understandable but design. Is she your, she's and your age I, as well? I have, I have fucked that up. You haven't fucked that up. No, she's younger than mm. me. That's why I have to work You longer. haven't fucked that up. I mean, like, you know, that's why I had the to circumstances. Longer. The circumstances. I don't know. We're in crazy circumstances, but you know, had I, had I been a better, had I been a better employee and I'm not an easy person to, to boss around. And so me, me and my boss, we, we clashed, but we didn't not get along. We just didn't get along. Does that make sense? It was a, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the perfect of circumstances. So you were, he was like the minute that he said, I can cut Gary. Well, this might be my, this might be my big chance. Uh Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I imagine it was. A, I, I imagine it was easier. I imagine. I imagine I didn't make it as hard as it would have been had we just yeah. been getting along. Yeah, That's but sure. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. There's always something else out there, you know. But I mean, the hustle. The part of it is, is you need to the hustle of um, the hustle. Of, All right, I'm opening pickles. If I'm grunting, it's because of that. God damn it, mother! Oh. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that pop? That was a good pop. Holy shit! That was one of them, uh, like big old jars of Stanfield's pickles. Man, you move, you move me over to the, oh, you move me over to the Rainier beer potato salad. So today from eBay. Oh really? I haven't had a beer in a couple hours. I've been rehydrating. I had a tea and I had a water. I might have another beer from eBay so. today. So Count bailed. I mean, we should just invite him right now to the recording. Oh, just have him come on in. Oh, really? I think I could invite him. He he actually he actually bailed what? though. So no, he was like, uh, yeah, he was going to come happened? on tonight at seven. He's like, he said he had another thing. Um, let me see this text. Hold on. Um, so he said he. Uh, oh, not that's you. That's you. Matthias, Matthias, me, Brian with him. I'm going to bring Matthias. I don't know on. Matthias. You'll like Matthias. Matthias Jobs. And the Scorpion. No, he won't come on. No. Well, you know Matthias, uh, or Matteo. Um, oh, shit. So, oh, no, we were, we we're on Messenger. Um, what, was, what was Count saying to me? Hey, dude, wonder if we can rain check. Starting to feel really, I uh, just, uh, super nauseous. So he's not feeling good. Funky all afternoon. Might side by now. Okay. I gave him a thumbs up, which is probably not mm-hmm. good. He might have gagged on it. He probably um, he probably 
Yeah. So yeah, count count us out. He was supposed to be on at seven. Count's a good cook though. Is he a good cook? Oh yeah. He's amazing. I spent a friend's giving with him. I've never done that in my life. I I gave him some of my Burberry pork. I do a smoked Burberry pork that's just fucking amazing. And at the bull party he played and it just came off when he was done and he got like first drippings and some fucking edge meat and yeah i have i have a high standard because my cousin owns um auto sausage kitchen in uh woodstock Mm. portland yeah i know that amazing yeah they're like the yeah it's the place they're like the voodoo donuts of meat voodoo donuts (laughs) of meat i have my friend does mount angel sausage and he does a fucking bang up job oh really I love that German yeah, festival I really love, up there. I really amazing. love their sausages. The German festival yeah. up there is fucking amazeballs. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, it really is. But no, I don't know if it's happening this year. I it don't might it because it's further, far enough out. It's September. I hope it does. I, we, we're going to need at least. Dude, it's going to take a vaccine. It's going to take a vaccine. There's just no doubt about it. Dude, Marion Marion County is as high is the highest county in the state, and people are all over the fucking place here, man. And you go into Safeway, and people are without masks, and they're looking at you with contempt if you do have one. And I'm like, there are five seven hundred people in this community, in this area, who have contracted the illness. Don't you realize what the fuck that means? It came with one. If there's seven hundred fifty, that means that like almost all of you are probably infected at this point. And everybody's cavalier. Now, granted, with the weather getting better, I think a lot of it could be kind of, you know, reduced. It, it doesn't live as long. Yeah. Like out in the air. Yeah. Um, and, new and seasons. Distance, which is good. New seasons. Um, actually, I went in there today to grab some kombucha and some pea protein milk. And mm-hmm. an orange, a orange currant. Uh, what are those called? Orange currant. It's not a croissant. What's that other one called? Oh, you know the word I'm looking for. Uh, oh, I don't. I don't know. It's not uh, like a muffin. It's not a muffin. It's a scone. A scone. A scone. A scone. I got an orange skin. Orange currant scone. I didn't eat it though, but I was like going, "Oh, that sounds good for like sometime." Can I? Can I get a scone? What, I know that's that? such a little yeah. little crazy English. Yeah, Biscuit. can I just like get a scone? Because I really just need something to. My I got the vampire scones are perfect. Garlic, they suck up garlic they suck cheese up coffee perfectly. Yeah, mm. and then I'm I went to Josephson's coffee. Smokehouse in Astoria, which I might add is open. Mm. Josephson's really Smokehouse for in Astoria. Salmon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went down to Sunset Beach, which was open, and Fort Stevens was kind of open on Sunday on Mother's Day. And I kind of circled around, grabbed some smoked salmon from my mom, brought it out to her, and gave her the respect she deserves. I did go today. I went to uh, another amazing restaurant that's open in Vancouver, Washington, which I might recommend. Mm-hmm. La Bottega. Mm-hmm. The smoked La Ravi. The smoked ravioli, uh, mushroom ravioli is amazing. And they make amazing sound. It's an Italian delicatessen, and it's still open, and they have great French, Italian, 
Riejo, some Spanish wine. They have a lot of the Northwest fruity explosion stuff, which I don't really dig, like Pinots and stuff, but they have it. Mm. Their wine is 50% off. It's great. And um, what I like best is a Pinot that's earthy. Oh, and, and then it's got have... a it's got a little fruit in it, but like the dry years for the Pinots, yeah. they're not really. They should give you two for one, just because there's not as much alcohol. But I love those. They're really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I did. Get, I did. I did get like a 2011 French Bordeaux and a 2010 French Bordeaux for seventeen dollars a bottle. That's a that's nearly a ten year old bottle. And I had the bottles before, and they were both really good. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to go into French wine world tonight. I'm going into, like, I was going into my, the last of my inventory Shit. is I have, like, a Rainier, I have a Rainier Tallboy. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, pretty much like drinking water to me. Made mm-hmm. with the Yakima Valley hops. And... Uh, mm-hmm. Boy, I'll tell you what, man, that's a downgrade from, because I was drinking like a German uh, Hofbrau, or um, original Hofbrau from 1848 Germany. Mm, or that's really old. Probably no, tasted like, like ass. Wait, wait, uh, no, no. Oh, no, no. It's not that old. No, it's not that old. It's when the that brewery was, was established. Was so it's a, it's a... Um, the, wor- the world's oldest brewery. It's a Weston, Weston Stefanar, Bavarian Hefeweizen beer, Bavarian style. It's a Weihen Stefaner. Weihen Stefaner. Weihen the Bavarian style. I have friends who have started up a Belgian Bavarian brewery. is amazing, and they and they gets it's so underrated. I'm so sick of hops. Mm-hmm. I am so incredibly sick. Well, of there's hops. so much more about the yeasts and and the locality of the yeasts and the natural yeast, but they've I'd been able to propagate those yeasts and sell them, so you can buy those every, yeasts. Everybody talks about that, but out in Kathlamet, Washington, out by my parents. So if you go where my parents live, if you go ten miles one way, it's Longview. If you go ten miles towards Long Beach, you end up in this little town called Kathlamet, Washington, which is up cool. They've had, yeah, the, the cool thing about this town is they've had three major Hollywood motion pictures filmed in this little town because they can take it over. There's only like a thousand people in the town or something. Chris Novoselic mm-hmm. from Nirvana lives out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has relatives that live in Kathlamet. Um, he's a bass player from Nirvana and he lives yeah, yeah. in uh, Deep River and he has a band out there called Giants in the Trees. Mm. With uh, Ray and Jill and Eric, uh, and then they have a backup singer, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he's he's flying airplanes out there. He's wow, like that's fun. Farming potatoes. If you go to the Astoria Market when it opens back up, you can Chris Novoselic will be there selling bags. I'm running of out of power from his farm. I'm running out of power. Oh, you're yeah. I'm down. You to have no more power. Mode. I got like I'm on low power oh, really? right now, yeah. Down to fourteen. Oh wait, did it go? Are no, you it hasn't gone there yet. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, I did do that, and then now it's telling me like, and the power's going quickly. You got twenty percent, ten percent, fourteen. We're at fourteen. Fourteen percent. Oh, we're yeah. good. You got a long yeah. time. It's, oh, I do. It's gonna click okay. again at ten, and then 
Yeah, you got plenty of time. But um, we're, anyway, we're doing like um, the longest podcast I've ever done right now. Dude, I've I've like you've met your match today. You you're you're like a marine. I'm going I'm going up to mount the top of Mount Suribachi to like raise a flat the Marine Corps flag. Just raise this shit. I got to get ten thousand listeners. You're yeah. listening to the Garland Pepper Show. Um, if you are listening to this and you would like to, and, and you've listened to some other shows and you kind of like my vibe cause they're all different a little bit cause it's all about the people I'm interviewing. So you get to see their stories and we're going to have more stories from all these people because it's funny. You think two hours is a long time, but you realize once you've listened to it, that there's only a few stories in there and there's so many more stories to go. And the Garland Pepper promises you stories of people just like you. Here, there, and everywhere. Everybody's got their struggles. Everybody's got their victories. Welcome to the Garland Pepper Show. And please, share, motherfuckers. I should uh, I should plug where my film is. I don't have a trailer up yet. Yeah, We're not do at it. that stage. Yeah, but Nero's it's Rome. at nerosrome.com. Mm-hmm. And as you recall, Nero, the um, emperor of Rome, was the last... Gosh, he was the last um, emperor, and he had this, um, he had this, like, you know, Nero of Rome was who he was, and the, the band named themselves after Nero's Rome. Um, so, anyway, what Nero did um, was he was basically a... Um, emperor that had come in and taken over and he he was uh what was it he was nero claudius caesar augustus germanicus and he was the last roman emperor of the uh of the julio claudian destiny dynasty and he was around december 15th 37 ad to june 9th 68 ad Nero's mother, Agrippina the Younger, dominated Nero's early life and decisions until he finally cast her off. Then five years into his reign, he had her murdered. He had his own mother murdered. Nero did. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Then the great fire of Rome that Nero had ordered burned for over a week. It destroyed three of 14 Roman districts and severely damaged seven more. So he's just a ruthless individual. He was totally ruthless. Popular legend was that Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned, and it was alleged that Nero sang the sack of Lilium in a stage costume. Wow. Um, That's crass. Yeah, and then, but, the the, uh, incredible part about it is, is that, um, that, you know, upon his return from exile, after they figured out that his motive was actually to, the great fire was to build a 300-acre complex uh, called the Dominus Aurea of Golden House, which included a lush, like, landscape with a 30-meter-tall statue of the Colossus of Nero. Mm. So he's going to make, he burnt down the city so he could put up, like, his, his own edifice. Who did, 
Who does this sound oh, like? Jesus. This to you? God damn. Who does that sound like that it's we know creepy. that we hear about every day? Oh, we keep that off this podcast, but y'all can guess where he's going, y'all. <laughs> yeah, that's off the podcast. Then upon yeah. his re- and then I think I know where upon, you're going. Okay. Upon Nero's return to the palace from exile, he ordered his guards to dig a grave for him because he knew he was in deep shit. Mm-hmm. When he called for a gladiator or anyone else that was adept with a sword to kill him. No one appeared, and he cried, have I neither friend nor foe? Yeah. And then still Nero could not bring himself to take his own life, but instead forced his private secretary, um, Epaphroditus, to perform the task. Of killing him. Of killing him. Oh, jeez. Epaphroditus. Secretary- yeah. I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I know, right? Uh, you know how to say it? No, you'd have to ask her. She's dead. Oh. But, but anyway, that was what the Nero's Rome name was, was based on. And it kind of follows the trajectory of the band and kind of as, as America as we know it. Mm-hmm. You know, because the self-love. The narcissism? I don't... It's mental illness. We're, we're literally... This country without being political, could be run by somebody that is taking Adderall. It seems in the possible. In the morning. In the maybe morning, not every day. And we know. We maybe see, not every we day. We see evidence of it uh, definitely when he's on uh, stage and he's got an opponent. He does do like the, an, like an Like an amphetamine-induced psychosis. Yeah, right? like he's a little over the top. He's a little... Now, that may just be like adrenaline. You'd say, like you know, you'd say he really shit, likes like when you're win. like... Like, like if you drank like ten cups of coffee, that's kind of what Donald Trump is. Sometimes, like you, you're just kind of rambling. Have you ever, have you ever talked to somebody that drank too much coffee? Oh, yeah, I think I've. I think they're just kind of get motor mouth. I think you're talking about people on coke or that way. Right? I coke, coke is a bad high though. Yeah, I don't know much. There's, about I that mean, one. coke is coke is coke is a thirty minute wonder drug. Feel great for thirty minutes, and then you're chasing the the. Chasing 30 minutes you had feeling. all night long all night yeah long. and i would still never coke. there i wouldn't want to have a coke i wouldn't want to have a coke stroke i wouldn't it's just not my thing i coke just don't stroke. do it i no, mean i know I it's like really it. it's not it's it's i know it's a rock and roll thing to do but i'm kind of like to me in a lot of ways i feel like i've never needed drugs to write songs or do music or perform music or anything or to get comfortable on stage Never had to do that. No, it's not your thing. But a lot of the people you've hung out with do. They enjoy having <laughs> a different state when they play. Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, in the professional operations that I know, I've rarely seen them ever go on the stage drinking Drunk. or doing anything before they got on. Yeah, before they got on stage. Maybe Drunk's they're a different thing, though, it, right? Yeah, maybe they're taking, taking a, a shot of tequila, tequila, just to go out um, halfway through, Boom. halfway through the set. No, halfway through the set or something. Oh yeah, like that, you know. yeah. Or maybe yeah. have a couple beers before they go on. But I've never seen. I've seen people get ripped and go on stage, and it usually it's not, it's not very professional. Yeah. It was a big fucking deal in the seventies. Like those bands would go out and like the Stones would do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they you know, would just or be whatever. twisted. I mean. 
Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. I mean, they would just go out. The Doors, up. yeah. Hendrix, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I mean, but you know, at a certain I point, mean, Carlos, um, you can be on a... tripping hard on acid at Woodstock. His know? brother his just hands, died. His, his brother hands just died turning today. into snakes. Did you hear that? Oh, really? His brother just uh, passed away this morning. It, oh, he was I'm also sorry, a very man. prominent, a very prominent musician. Um, mm-hmm. Jorge, his name was Jorge, I believe. And he did a song that you would actually know. It's the Latin national anthem, is what they call it. But it was—it's kind of like low rider, you know. It's like that type of deal. Uh huh. Um, but but he passed away. And that was war. It's not. It's not exact. It's not. It, no. Uh, what? No. Tequila was by. Um, Tequila, that's or is that? Are 50s. you thinking? Or not tequila? No, I'm thinking dun, of dun, uh, dun, low rider. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I think that's war. I think that's war. But I might be wrong. Is it? Okay. I think it's war. I think it's why can't we be friends, lowrider. But then again, uh, radio, we got this song. Well, anyway. Coming um, up strong. Anyway. um, Yeah, it's Carlos. Santana's youngest brother, Jorge, dead at 68 years old. Jesus. And he did the song that was, he was in a high school friends. They were at a a band called the Malibus. Mm -hmm. And later they were changed to 1970 to Malo, M-A-L-O. With the band, um, they had this song and it was known as Swa suavecito like suavecito suavecito and um and it and it was it was known as the chicano national anthem played as the carne asada kickbacks all over the country that sounds pretty cool Hmm. oh you have it You gotta play something because you gotta cover up the fact that I'm eating this taco. Oh, are we done? I think we're done. Johan, it's been great. Thank you for visiting the Gar- uh, Garland Pepper Show. Have yourself a great evening. Love you. Bye. Oh, I can't. I can't do that yet. You gotta share this stuff. Um, yeah, I gotta get ten thousand like real soon. I gotta get ten thousand uh, viewings. Total viewings. Listen to it. Put it on your headphones. Do something you don't normally don't do while podcasting. Try podcasting while doing that. All right? It's been uh, the Garland Pepper Show with Johan Peters, part two. Lots of stuff covered tonight. Holy 